Electrician Conversations, a podcast for electricians hosted by an electrician. The Electrical Association is committed to keeping electricians in the know about the latest developments in the industry. Experts will be on to help answer the tough questions, talk shop, and give tips to make your jobs work. Greetings. I would like to welcome you to another podcast presentation of Sparkin' Conversation by the Electrical Association. I'm Mike Miller, your host. Once again, I would like to thank you for choosing this Electrical Association podcast for one of your sources for information for things going on in the electrical industry. I would also like to extend a special thanks to Federated Insurance for being our sponsor of this and many activities of the Electrical Association. Today's presentation features an individual who works for GAP Schools. I'd like to welcome Mr. Tony Zaradka, Construction Program Manager. Tony, please give our listeners some details about your past educational experiences and your role with GAP Schools as the uh, Program Construction Manager. Thanks, Mike. Uh, again, my name is Tony Zrodka. I'm the construction program manager here at Gap School. Gap School is actually part of Change Inc. They are our larger parent organization. Uh, we're we're a school here on the on the, the west side of St. Paul. Uh, I'm actually from St. Paul myself, from the east side of St. Paul. Went to Johnson High School. I uh, graduated from the University of Wisconsin River Falls with an education degree. I'm a teacher. I also have a special ed license from Bethel University. Uh, part of their master's program. Youth Build is is the, the big part of our program here in construction, and I also have a construction background. I worked remodeling and bricklaying all through high school and college, and my father was a painter, so I have a pretty good construction background as well. Wow, you bring some credentials. This is really enlightening to know that what you're doing, you certainly have the training to do it, and that's that's a, a blessing. Uh, some people are, are are shifting trades from one to another, and oftentimes bring limited skills. And it sounds like you brought it all, and that's great, Tony. So, Gap School—that's an interesting name. Obviously, the organization is fulfilling an educational need. Please let our group today know what Gap School is and how their educational efforts fit into today's scholastic picture. Yes, it is kind of interesting. Uh, GAP is actually stands for Guadalupe Alternative Programs. Uh, we were started in 1967 by Sister Giovanni here on the on the west side of, of St. Paul to uh, help help those students who had dropped out, who are not doing well in traditional programs. And we continue to do that today. We're actually a contract charter school. And we work with students who aren't served well in the traditional programs. Right now, our construction program is about 75% ESL students, uh, refugee immigrant folks who are learning English along with learning the construction trade. Wow, what an opportunity. Now, I tell you, I, I'm really impressed hearing about this. I, I really had no idea. And of course, as a, a moderator for this program, I, I kind of explore the internet to determine what I can figure out about you folks. But this is really enlightening. What an opportunity for such people, really. So as, as we move forward, Tony, let's get into some of the driving forces behind GAP School. And of course, financial support is obviously one of the cornerstones of the school's success. Considering a student's journey through GAP School, what financial inputs are available to them and to what do they have to actually have to put in themselves, financially speaking? 
Well, first of all, the best thing about Gap School is it's completely free for all students. Lunch is free, breakfast is free, enrollment is free, our field trips, uh, all of our tools, anything you need to do here is is completely free. And we do that through a myriad of grants, a lot of state and federal funding as well. Uh, we are a regular public school, so we get funding how, how any public school would, but we are unique is that we are a youth build program. There's about 280 youth build programs nationwide. We are one of them and we serve folks 16 to 24. And as our students are over 21, the funding from the state for adult education goes down greatly. So we rely on, on grants from the state and the federal government. Uh, the Department of Labor is one of our lar large grants, and we rely on them to serve students who are no longer served by regular public schools because they're over 21 years of age. Well, well Tony, interestingly, you've kind of covered a little bit of my next question, but just again to visit that, that finance line, because, you know, in the turbulent economic picture that our country's dealing with right now, it's scary to me. It really is. And I think I'm not alone in that respect. But is there any fears on the behalf of the school that the government support for your institution will not be available in the future or be significantly reduced? Yes, unfortunately for programs like ours, that funding is not very stable. Uh, the, the largest grant we've received is the Department of Labor grant. Uh, right now, we're working on really a fantastic project. Uh, it's, it's a six-minute walk from our school. It's uh, almost a one-acre site that we've broken into four lots, and, and we're building actually four single-family homes on those lots. We found that 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 building single-family homes is the best possible construction training that we can give to students because they see all aspects of the construction industry, not just one small part. And when we have control of those products, we can ensure the best possible experience for our students. And to do that, it was a really awesome thing. We, we started to get funding from the Department of Labor, which are very large, large grants every two years. But there's no guarantee that you will, will get that that grant. And on the last cycle, about one year ago, we did not receive the grant. So the financial hardship uh, that caused us in finishing up the current house that we're working on was indeed quite difficult. Tony, you know, I'm going to kind of deviate a little bit in our in our question here, but you, you really hit on something about the, the one year ago scenario and our world was tipped upside down by COVID one year or, le or more ago. And, and let me just ask you, what kind of impact did that have on school? I mean, a lot of schools, of course, went to distant learning or hybrid learning. How did your school deal with that? I'm just curious. Uh, yes, yes, that put a huge impact on us, of course, when you're doing hands-on learning in, in a construction situation, uh, trying to build a single-family home, uh, that was certainly a huge hardship. Uh, so when, when school went online, we were no longer working in our construction site, and we were able to do a, a few things in, in, in small groups as we were doing some outside work, which was, of course, you know, a pretty safe place to be. But for the most part, our work uh, stopped. Uh, on our construction site on and off throughout the throughout the pandemic. Uh, we also dealt with uh, lots of supply shortages and high prices. We purchased 
most of our supplies when when supplies were ex- extremely expensive. Uh, siding, for example, was delayed about six months, and we spent not this winter, but the winter before uh, siding outside, which was not the most enjoyable experience. But I will say we have awesome students, and they and they persevered, and the, that job got c- completed, and, and our house is going to be uh, gold lead certified and an awesome home for a low-income s- single family. Outstanding. That's good to hear that, you know, in, in the construction industry, uh, anyone that's been in it knows that it's not all summertime and they surely got their their upbringing well and siding in the winter. I've seen that done before and it's not a pleasant task. It's sometimes bare fingers and ooh, not a good deal. Well, I'm glad to hear that you're persevering as well as you have. And, you know, the, the government cuts, I, I think that uh, we as a nation are probably going to see some rather interesting things unfold as the political spectrum continues to roll. Uh, I guess it's what we, what where we live, and we still have that element of freedom, which I think is pretty nice to say we have, and it's kind of spendy sometimes. So, but moving on to another concept to just talk about it, another driving source, source or force that we should recognize deals with the finished product. That means your students, your, your, your graduates. Give us a typical profile of a student's qualifications in the real world of earning a living or even attending an institution of higher education after completion of your programs. Yeah, absolutely. As a youthful program, uh, serving students 16 to 24, a lot of them students, once they complete our program, are much older than a typical high school graduate. Most of our students are here for 12 to 18 months. They earn a St. Paul High School diploma, regular high school diploma, just like any, any other student would. Uh, but our program, they get a little bit extra. They get MC3 construction training. They earn OSHA 10 certification. Uh, they also can earn an AmeriCorps Education Award, which is money they can use for secondary school. Uh, so they actually do get a lot more certifications than a traditional high school student would. Uh, the completion of our program, uh, if you're looking to go into the construction industry, you of course have to have your driver's license. We make sure they have all the skills and, and all, all those things that they really need to be successful. Make sure their English, their reading and writing is, is at a level of proficiency and we help them get hired or get into school. And we also do follow up for one year on all of our students. So we really make sure that they're, they're successful, they have the tools they need and they're successful once they're done with our program. Well, you know, when you say follow-up, Tony, tell me what you mean by a follow-up of a completion a year after they've been there. Yep. We check in with them on a almost a sometimes weekly, monthly basis. Uh, those those employers who have a partnership with us, they know if there's an issue with that em- employee, with that former student, that, that they can call us and we'll work through that. You know, if there's any, any problems, uh, we help them if they are laid off, which of course happens in construction. You know, this, this winter we're helping a lot of folks with unemployment and things like that and finding new employment and pretty much anything they need. Uh, we're a very small program and we're a family here and sometimes students come back three, four, five, six, seven years later looking for jobs, looking for help and we help them. Boy, that's neat. That was one of my other questions I was going to ask, but now that you hit on it, explain a little bit more. You mentioned they come back. So like if I had completed your course, uh, say in building trades, and I, I know I'm very skilled at rough carpentry, I could come back and and could I actually start another course and say, well, I want to learn more about finish work and mill work and things like that. Is that something that you folks would work with the student on as well? Coming back to another section of the trade? 
Yeah, yeah, th- that's not really an area that that we would specialize in, or th- that's that's something we would do. I would say we're we're much more of a basic construction training program. G- give our students a, a piece of a lot of different uh, different trades and let them choose what they want, and then help them get employed and get increased uh, some training in that area if that's what they want. Sure. Tony, one other thing that just kind of crossed my mind here, and I didn't really tell you I was going to ask you this, but we're all electricians that we're talking to today for the most part, a great majority of our our listening audiences, members of our electrical association and our friends, members, families, moms and dads. But here's my question about electrical. You mentioned that they all could have rounded out education on most of the aspects of building a home. For electrical, for example, right now you're probably aware of the need for licensed electricians in this state and actually all the way across the country. As long as there's no serious recession on the horizon, there's a pretty pretty darn active uh, seeking of good quality people. How does uh, your school provide that? Or what, to what extent do they get the people into the electrical industry is my question. Yeah, at, at this time, we haven't uh, actually actually placed anyone in, 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 into an electrical apprenticeship or an electrical program. Uh, that's something we were starting to explore. Uh, I just, this year, kind of started working with Michelle, Michelle Dreyer and the Electrical Association. We're actually working this year. We have a few students who are really interested in joining. So I think that's a partnership that we can increase in the future. And, and as far as on our job site, of course, our students can't do the electrical work, but we always work with contractors who are willing to have our students shadow and kind of learn and see kind of how that happens that's outstanding news i tell you we've got to get them interested and sometimes it's difficult because there's so much to learn in what seems to me a lot a short time and but the the rewards are unreal the the demand for the the tradesman that is competent is it's it's there and the the financial income and the security in life in general is just unbelievable and i Appreciate the fact that your agency, GAP, the school, is working toward that end through two contractors. And Michelle's right. We need them. Well, Tony, I have another question. It's kind of a neat one. In education, we often hear of higher learning institutions comparing student-to-teacher ratios. How does GAP school fare out when considering these kind of ratios? And just one other comment. Tony, before I go on that, I realize that not all classes are the same, but I asked the question merely to establish possibly an average ratio that you try to achieve. Yeah, absolutely. Here at Gap, uh, you know, we're very fortunate to have some pretty low numbers on that. The the suggested ratio on our, on a construction site from from youth build is eight to one. We're usually less than that. You know, maybe five to one or six to one, even because as we know, as we're trying to teach on a construction site, if if one instructor is teaching eight to ten students, that's difficult. So we certainly try to keep those numbers low, and we keep those numbers much lower than the average high school in our classrooms as well. Our students being English language learners, for the most part, they require a a, a lot of extra attention, and we try to be very cognizant of that. Boy, that's great. Those those kind of the ratios that seem to make a big difference. And, and we've all seen schools where they pack them in and say, good luck. <laughs> it sounds like your school is well ahead of that uh, concept. And, and keep up the good work there as well. Uh, I, another question I have, it's pretty easy probably for you, but does GAP School partner with any other educational facilities that round out their offerings to students in anything from language to 
any other skills they need, not necessarily those associated with the hands-on skills, but with other skills. Yeah, we partner with uh, St. Paul College for sure. A, l- a lot of our students who want to want to go on that path, you know, unlike some construction training programs, some of our students just come into our program to learn construction. They're interested, but they're most interested in just getting their high school diploma. And if those students, if that's what they're looking for, we give them their high school diploma. We teach them some construction skills and they can go on to a place like St. Paul College and do that. Uh, we also partner with other training programs as well. Uh, one of our really neat partners is Historic Bedrock Preservation out, out of Duluth, Minnesota. And they also do, they are also a, an AmeriCorps program, so students can earn money for college. And they learn a wide variety of construction skills doing historic work through them as well. And we've had several students who weren't sure well, what they wanted to do, and they joined Historic Bedrock, and they went into the trades, and some went into college. So it's that's a good continuation of our program. Boy, it sounds like it's rolling. That, that's fabulous. So here's kind of one of the look into the future questions. So like I say, looking into the future, where do you see Gap School in a few years down the road from now? Uh, yeah, the project we're working on right now, like I said, we're working on the first of uh, actually four single-family homes. Uh, they're going to be LEED Gold certified. Uh, our first house will be done here in in, in about a month. We're looking forward to, to that. So continue on a bit of a legacy project, a, a single-family home built with us training students. It takes a few years. So we're hoping to certainly get done with all four houses in, in our project and definitely diversifying our student body, you know, different immigrant refugee groups, working with more, you know, incarcerated youth, those types of those type of things, really diversifying and really helping as, as many folks as we can be successful and get into the trades and, and, and really get those high paying, you know, very successful, successful careers that, that you're talking about, Mike. Sure. Well, here's another quick question, Tony, about uh, something I just, as you mentioned, that you deal with a lot of uh, perhaps uh, youth and, and people in general that have maybe had a little rockier road in life than some others. Do you find that your program keeps a majority of them on the straight and narrow to a successful trait, or do you lose a lot along the way? Well, you know, that's that's something that I think we're very successful here at, at Gap. You know, we, we do have a, a, a very low, low staff to student ratio, you know, so no one here, you know, can fall through the cracks. We meet every week. We talk about every student every week. There's home visits. There's there's calls homes. There's there's work with probation officers. You know, there's work with mental health health professionals we have here on site. We have social workers on site. So it's it's it, it, it's it's pretty much in impossible for a student to, to fall through the cracks here. And we do our best to help any student in, in pretty much every way possible to ensure ensure their success. Well, it sounds like you've got all the bases covered. I, I am just so impressed. I learned a lot about GAP school. You know, that's the thing. We, we in our trade, we kind of, uh, we wear blinders to an extent unless we read a lot of newspapers. But it's really gratifying to hear that people have the compassion to actually go about that work. And sometimes it's not easy. I, I can imagine it wouldn't be. Okay, I have another neat question for you, Tony. Uh, we always like to ask our podcast guests if there's any current news items your organization would like to share with our listeners or anything that's happened at at, uh, your school or your organization you'd like to share with our listeners today? 
Uh, well, we actually do have a very exciting open house coming up. We're finishing our first of actually four LEED certified single family homes. Uh, they're a really a super awesome green build. We've been working on this, this house for a little over two years, and we're actually having an open house on May 23rd from, from 3 o'clock to 5 o'clock. And the address on that is actually 448 Page Street, and that's St. Paul, Minnesota, 55107. Right, we're located right off of Highway 52 and Concord Street, right on the west side of St. Paul. And we're looking to have some folks come out there and see our project and kind of see what we've done. We've invited a lot of local dignitaries and a lot of people who have helped us all, all along the way, our contractors. Uh, we've had a lot of donations on, on our project. We're always looking for more for our next project because, of course, the financial uh, burden of, of, of being a small program and training students by building a LEED certified house is, is quite large. So we're, we're hoping to get some more attention to our, our project and get some more help and, and show everybody and show the community what we've done here. Hopefully this uh, presentation will allow those people to know about this. Uh, another question I always like to let our listeners know is we're talking with Tony, but if I wanted to get more information about what's going on in your facility and perhaps partner with you or just ask questions, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Uh, probably the best way to get in touch with, with me would just be to go on our website, which is thechangeinc.org, and you can certainly find my contact in there. I'm always available by email, by text. Uh, you can always call our main line as well here at Gap School, 651-222-0757, and they can always hook you up with me. Absolutely great. Boy, this has really been enlightening. I, you know, I'd like to just thank you so much for taking some valuable time out of your day. I'm sure you had more to do than a podcast, but it's been really enlightening, Tony. I'd like to really thank you. And so as another podcast draws to a close, I'd like to thank Tony uh, Zaradka, our guest today, for taking time out of his schedule from the Gap School. Thank you, Tony. Are there any final messages you'd like to leave with our listeners? Uh, no, I just like to thank you, and uh, you know, just say I really appreciate all this. And the more word we can spend, we can send about all the opportunities there are in all the trades, you know. And 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 we like to, to work with all the trades and diversify our portfolios, so, so to say, so we we can place the right student in the right trade for them. Well, Tony, again, thank you. I would like to thank our executive producer, Katie Grams, for her work behind the scenes to make this podcast happen. Also, a big thank you to Federated Insurance, who sponsored this presentation. With that, I wish her all safe travel until you can join us again for another Electrical Association Sparking Conversation. I'm Mike Miller, your host. Good day. Sparkin' Conversations was a production of the Electrical Association. For more information, visit www.electricalassociation.com.